Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host. I'm stationary. My name is Steve. My co-host is Kyle. He's moving around. Say hello, Kyle. Michigan's second greatest export is alive and well tonight. <laughs> well, that's good because I understand you had a pretty busy weekend there. We uh, played in the Keystone Nightman Flag Football League and ended up playing three games uh, Saturday after a three-hour rain delay and won the uh, won the chip. Got photos with the trophy about half the size I am. And I did notice that was a pretty big trophy. It, it's pretty healthy. I just hope the championship rings are as big as that. <laughs> well, how are you feeling there? Are you sore? I am sore. I have torn my calf muscle. So, not... Not the best, not the worst. Nothing I won't recover from. Well, good. Because neither one of us are getting any younger. And injuries like, getting... <laughs> injuries like that, they, they tend to stick around a little bit longer. I'm not getting younger, but I sure am getting prettier. Well, you know, I'll, I'll just stop right there. <laughs> Speaking of shows, didn't you have a show to – something to do over the weekend? I did. I went and watched the Northern Wrestling Federation down in Covington, Kentucky, and actually got to hang out. I need to send you the picture of myself and Noah Gabriel since you're not on Twitter, so I already posted on there. But end up. Uh, talking to him for a little bit. I mean, he's a, he is a very busy man because at any second, I could, you could turn around and you could see him on commentary. And this is after he's already wrestled. And then I saw him help setting up some of the music. And then he's over selling merch, which my son actually bought one of his shirts. But, or I, rather, I bought one of his shirts for my son. Uh, but yeah, it was a pretty good time. The only downer on the on the day. And it didn't still didn't um didn't affect anybody's mood too much was it was so hot. And the building they were in does not have AC. It just has fans, including one great big giant honking industrial sized ceiling fan that they had right above the ring. This is one of those ones that the blades are probably about nine foot long. You know the ones I'm talking about? Yeah, we have several in the gym I work out in. Okay, yeah, so, but that's what they had. Um, and so that, I mean, everybody was already sweating, and I think it may have slowed the wrestlers down maybe a little bit, but they were still giving it everything they had. Nobody was phoning it in. You know, you could still, they were very much into it, and they still put on a good show. Um, and in a way, it almost kind of looked like, if you've watched like some of the, the pay-per-views from Saudi Arabia, and they've even talked about how hot it is, how it just saps your energy right out of you. So it may not have been as energetic, but it certainly wasn't their fault because they were still uh, doing it all for the fans. 
and talk to a couple of the other wrestlers and Roger Ruffin himself. And we are going to try to arrange some interviews in the future, uh, maybe even next week, Kyle. Yeah, uh, we didn't really get a chance to talk as much as what we normally do just because uh, you're busy and I'm busy actually doing work work because it's that time of year. But anyway, so yeah, if you know, seriously, dude, you need to somehow figure out a way to come out here because they actually they put on a great show. I know you've seen some of their matches on YouTube and other video links, but you know yourself, I mean, it just doesn't really beat being there. No, the the live wrestling experience is uh, unrivaled. But well, overall, I I maintain a, a pretty active out here in my parts unknown location. You are very busy. I mean that that's for sure. Um, now, before we get going on the continuation of Chris Jericho, just want to tell everybody how they can get a hold of us if they ever need to or want to or are forced to. If you want to email us about anything, give us feedback, let me know you want to be on the show, uh, it's armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash armchairbookingpodcast or on Twitter at bookingarmchair. We have a YouTube channel or an iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon. All you have to do is go to the link in the description of this podcast here, and you'll be able to find all those. And we are currently not taking any live callers unless you arrange that with us beforehand. Did I miss anything, Kyle? Got everything for once. So, so with you, you had the NWX show over the weekend. We talked about the matches. Recap the event. Oh, now you're going to make me find a big list of all the matches. Um, well, Noah actually did wrestle in a match. It was not a match that was advertised. Uh, he was in a tag team match. And I believe it was Jack Phoenix was his partner, and they went against the Hollywood Blondes. The Hollywood Blondes... Their team, you can actually tell they're probably not going to be a team much longer just because they keep having some arguments in the ring and they keep having mishaps. And there has been a couple times in the past couple months where Rex, the big dude, which, by the way, I don't know if you heard. um, I don't know if remember if Noah, you mentioned him last week. I didn't realize how big Rex was until I actually stood up next to him, uh, like after the the. Uh, the show, he's every bit of 6'5", easily, probably even taller. And he is just huge. And then you have Adam, who's probably every bit of, like, maybe 5'8". So there, there's about a foot difference between the two of them. And they've had some issues where Rex would take a swing at their opponent and their opponent would duck and he would hit at them. Uh, it happened a, a couple months in a row where this uh, past Saturday, uh, Adam is actually the golden ticket holder 
for the men. And after their match with Noah and his partner, they uh, it was having the same thing, only this time it was Adam hitting Rex. And then he turned around and blamed Rex. And then later on, he went to go cash in his golden ticket. And he ended up not cashing it in, even though he had every intention to, but he swung the, the golden ticket briefcase at uh, Joshua and missed and ended up clocking Rex. So I don't see them remaining a team very much longer. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, now, the match with Crew and Swinger, who are two guys I actually talked to at the intermission, I talked to both of them about possibly being on the show, not at the same time. That match ended up being pretty good. I have to send you a picture because Crew got a kind of a souvenir. He had Swinger's shirt, his kind of a, I don't know what you'd call this shirt, yeah, but it's basically, you know, somebody who thinks that they're getting all the women, it, you know, the kind of button-down silk shirt. Yeah, Crew had it. He had it on. It was his own trophy. But I really wish I'd have uh, kept better notes on this. But Big Mama and Nikki Victory, that match ended up uh, – Nikki Victory ended up winning by disqualification because there was interference, first from Ella, and then later on our friend – Small means Selena Dean, the NWF Women's Champion. So Nikki Victory, she's kind of out by herself right now. It's almost like a three-on-one deal because there was no other women there, not that I saw. And she was going to put Big Mama through a table, and obviously that didn't happen. But she's trying to get her revenge of what's happened the past few months. We uh, had no nobody interfering in the matches like we did last month, and I don't. That, that's actually a, probably a good thing. But now, last week, Kyle, because we we do need to go ahead and move on to Chris Jericho because if we don't, <laughs> we'll end up like we did last week where we we relegated ourselves to about an hour. We left off right when Chris Jericho was leaving WCW for WWF. What were your thoughts at the time? And this is back in 1999. What what was your thoughts when he uh, when he jumped ship? So in 1999, I had a computer with dial-up AOL and. I was reading wrestling sites that said Jericho was going to the WWF. And if you remember, the they had a countdown clock. Y2J. Yep. And Well, the Y2K, it was the Y2K countdown clock, because I don't think a lot of people uh, may not even – some people may not have been around for that, the Y2K crisis. So – At that time, they had the countdown clock. They had GTV, uh, the hidden backstage video show. And Jericho could have been any one of them. 
debuted him, and the crowd was was wild. They put him up against The Rock, which completely changed his initial ceiling, especially with what he was in WCW. But I guess he uh, ruffled some feathers that first night. Like what, in the locker room? In the locker room, he uh, – the comments he said, the sensitive WWF wrestlers, who are you to say that? You put down our biggest stars. A, a bunch of unwritten locker room code. Now, are they talking, was he walking in the locker room saying those things, or were they talking about his debut promo? Oh, okay, gotcha. So, it was, it was a good promo. He, he wrestled The Rock his first show. He went on to have many great matches with The Rock, but one thing I think NXT takes care of now is there's a such thing as a WWE style. Yep, that's true. And and you got to learn it. Well, but Jericho, well, the thing about Jericho, him going to WWF at that time, he had already been to Mexico. He had already been some of Japan. He had already been in ECW. He had already been in WCW, Smoky Mountain, Calgary. He had been all over the world. So he was kind of bringing his own style. And I I don't have an issue with that, but I'm also no. not running running NXT. He, he brings in his own style, correct. But you don't bring your own style into WWE. You have to learn the WWE style. You change for them. They don't change for you. You dance with the devil. The devil doesn't change. You do. So some of the things that made him entertaining were... Were his promos, the way he dressed, and they debut him, and he gets cheered. The fans were excited to see him, and he gets cheered instead of being booed. They wanted to make him a heel against The Rock, and I hate to say they do this, but you also get punished for fan reaction if it's not what they want. Which is a tradition they've kept up even here it is 21 years later. They're still doing that. And uh, in some ways, actually, sometimes they're punishing the fans now. Well, they punish the fans every Monday night with what they put on television. 
But instead of pairing him with someone that could teach him the WWF style, his first real feud is with China, a woman, which is interesting. It's almost like he's being set up to fail. Or, or that and, and or, they want to see, will he do business when he's asked to? Even though I've never heard of Jericho ever being considered difficult to work with. And he's always been one to do what's best for business. And if what's best for business meant he was going to lose to China, so be it. And I would say it it didn't really hurt his it hasn't really hurt his career since then. No, they they put him with China, and I'm kind of looking forward to the documentary Thursday. I know I have to record it, but she she was very awkward with the men. She wrestled. So anything he does as with as many skill sets as Jericho had, she's not prepared for that because she has one skill set. She had strong moves, power moves. And she's powerful for a woman. But if she's 205, which is what they kind of said, and and Jack to the gills, which she was, very Mm -hmm. strong, a 205-pound woman is not as comparable as a 225-pound male. it's, It's just the difference. So uh, a couple things. One, the the greatest wrestling card uh, of the of the late '90s, Armageddon '99, uh, with the main event being Triple H and Vince McMahon, where Stephanie becomes a heel. Jericho's on the undercard and he wins the Intercontinental Title from China at Armageddon. But they become co-owners of the Intercontinental title. So Jericho and China are co-champions. And he becomes the sole Intercontinental Champion at the Royal Rumble in in 2000. But mid-card has a the Intercontinental title has a tremendous lineage as the workers belt. It's it's very prestigious to, to be a WWE Intercontinental Champion. And 
he's part of WrestleMania 2000, where Kurt Angle enters as Eurocontinental champion. Eurocontinental. He was the European and the Intercontinental champion. And they do a triple threat, two out of three falls match, where the first fall was for the European championship, and the second fall is for the Intercontinental championship. That match, actually, I do remember. Um, Because you have the wrestlers of their caliber all in the ring together. And that, that was the WrestleMania where they had every match except for one was um, multiple people in the match. There was not one, there was only one singles match on the entire card and it was uh, the women's match. And I can't remember who, who they were, but even that match was not very good. But it's, it's considered a weak WrestleMania, even though you had this match here. But anyway. But Jericho is, again, part of early, well, I mean, Attitude Era history. Eddie Guerrero wrestled Jericho the following night for the European Championship. And China turned on him, and that created the Latino Heat-Mamacita pairing that made Eddie Guerrero better. Thought, and my thought totally escaped me. <laughs> but it happens sometimes. I'm telling you, old. At least you're not senile yet. Not yet. I was going to say something, but I better not. We have rules on our podcast. You have rules. I just apologize. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Scott. I got to remember. Okay, now that I'm going to have to quote. You have rules. <laughs> I just have to apologize. <laughs> um, Jericho, he had such great opponents. And I wonder what Jericho, he says The Rock was his best opponent. But Triple H, for not liking him as a, when he first came in, Triple H is in a lot of early Jericho history in WWF. They do a title change tease with Triple H and Chris Jericho. WWF doesn't acknowledge it. And I don't want to say he was floundering because he kept winning the Intercontinental Championship, European Championship. He's wrestling Benoit. He's wrestling William Regal. Um, wins the Tag Team Championship with Chris Benoit. Wrestles the Dudley Boys. He's part of the Invasion storyline. And was a WWF side, did not transition over to the WCW or ECW side because he was not uh, 
not a main event player there. Like, yeah, stayed, stayed loyal to the WWF. The, the Rock teases him about not winning the big one, uh, about being a comedy act. And he ends up defeating The Rock. I know what my thought was. Go ahead. He he beats The Rock for the WCW Championship. Um, almost cause, causes WWF side to lose in the Survivor Series. And then Jericho gets crowned and sort of a surprise. He gets put into the Fatal four-way or the four-man tournament to crown the first undisputed champion, and he defeats the two biggest WWF stars at the time in The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. I was uh, more than a little shocked, but then again, you know, in hindsight, maybe I shouldn't have been. Maybe it would have been too obvious for Jericho to lose at the time because they weren't – it didn't seem like they were giving him as much of a push as what he deserved. Uh, And my thought that I had – and this actually goes back when he first went to the WWF and he was wrestling China. China had some issues with Jericho working stiff with her, like throwing – his working punches, they were still a little stiff. And apparently she went crying to her live-in boyfriend, fiancé at the time, Triple H. And he, I guess, confronted Jericho about it. And Jericho was like, what? I mean, she's doing the same thing. She's going to be in the ring. She's going to, you know, she wants to wrestle men. Then she's going to have to learn to expect that. You know, and he wasn't trying to hurt her. You know, I mean, it wasn't anything like that, but. Um, but it caused a little bit of a uh, little bit of friction there. But of course, we know how how it ended with Triple H in China, anyway. Yeah, but when when Jericho won the undisputed championship, um, I was shocked. I was, I mean, I was glad, you know, he won it. But I was also shocked. And I don't know if you've ever have you ever heard him on his podcast or anybody else's interviews where he's talked about what happened to him at the hotel that night, or the night that he won the championship. Go ahead and tell the story. He locked himself out of his hotel room. And he had to go down. And I don't remember if he was if he said he was in his underwear or not, but, he, of course, everything he had was in his room. And in order for you to, you know, you walked out and say, yeah, uh, I'm, I just locked myself out of my room. And you don't have your ID because your ID is in your room. And he had to explain, okay, you know, when you walk in the room, this is going to be there, this is going to be there. Oh, and there's going to be the undisputed championship belt is going to be laying on the bed. And they had to go in there and verify all that before they'd actually let him back into his own room. Life of a champion. He wasn't out partying or anything like that. I mean, he was hanging out in his room and locked himself out. But although I do know somebody, if not a wrestler, somebody – um, 
coming back from a deployment, locked himself out of his hotel room, and this is when we were flying back through Baltimore, and just spent three months, four months in Kuwait where we didn't have bathrooms in our rooms or, you know, the open bay tent that you lived in. You had to walk outside and either go to a porta john or you had to go to what, what they call the one of the bathroom trailers. Well, this guy had uh, a few beers in Baltimore, and after not drinking for, you know, three, four months, and he woke up and had to pee. And for three or four months, every time he had to go, he would walk outside his room. And he didn't realize until it was too late, and he was standing out in the hallway in his tidy whities And he had to go down to the front desk in his tidy whities to get them to unlock his room. But anyway, that's not Chris Jericho, though. It, it was a it was a big shock, honestly. Like they kind of foreshadow it now, but back then it was a big shock that Jericho won. And had a four month title reign. Triple H had tore his quad in a, a title match against Benoit and Jericho when he tore his quad and he makes the big Royal Rumble comeback. And for some reason, probably because Triple H is a mark for himself at the time. A little bit, yeah. A little bit, yeah. They they put the title match on as the main event of WrestleMania 18, and they have to follow Hogan and The Rock. Ooh, And I have to get some wrestler opinions on that, but some matches are just impossible to follow. Now, do you think that the the powers that be would have ever guessed that the reaction of The Rock and Hulk would be as big as what it ended up being? And then they would have for the duration of the match, they would have that double turn and ended up turning into a classic match? They... Toronto, or Canada, has always been a opposite crowd. And having not had WrestleMania in what 12 years at that point because it was 6 and 18 yeah 6 and 18 yep this is our first first event and Hogan was huge up there they they had to have known I think they were they wanted to put the title on last you know, it makes sense. Your your world title match should be last. It should be the main event unless there is some specific reason why it's not. I mean, in certain cases, like 
Well, WrestleMania 11, I'm not, and I'm not saying WrestleMania 11 was a great WrestleMania, mind you, but that one, the main event was Lawrence Taylor and Bam Bam. And that was basically a big publicity thing. That's why that one was, they had it as the main event. They probably should have had it further down the card, but maybe they wanted people to stick around to watch it. But I don't know. I mean, I, I would never have guessed that they would have had the reaction the way they did, even though I still think they should have had Hogan and Stone Cold going against each other. Well, at the time, Stone Cold is somewhat injured, and The Rock was viewed as the star of the next millennium. You know how much Hogan has done jobs. That'll work for me, brother. I think we, when we talked about Hogan, we had, we had found eight people that he had put over cleanly. Was it that many? Yeah, that <laughs> many. <laughs> so, oh, and you got and you got to say cleanly, cleanly. That's the the also the catchword there, cleanly. put in a bad spot, but still still makes Jericho in his first two years multiple time Intercontinental Champion a triple triple crown winner in, in his first two years and headlines Wrestlemania, which is something CM Punk never did he loses the title to Triple H they they continue their feud for a couple months he has a hell in the cell match and then he's back to the Intercontinental Championship back to the Tag Team Championship They, they don't really have anything on the upper end for him He goes, there's a a couple things he's notably a part of, and the first is his WrestleMania 19 match with Shawn Michaels, and that, that turns out to be a dream pairing. They they have several feuds that were really good. And Jericho also punched a woman with this feud too. Accidentally. No, that, it was an accident. It, was next, it, it wasn't this one. It was the next one with Michaels. But either way, what I'm saying is, I mean, Jericho has a pattern and this one obviously was an accident he would have never done that on purpose but but my my favorite Jericho feud of his early time is with him and Christian Christian 
Christian had just separated from Edge. And they're debating who is hotter, Lita and Trish Stratus. Trish. Oh, then, I, thought you, I thought you were asking the question. No, they, they actually have this. <laughs> and they bet a Canadian dollar if Chris Jericho can sleep with Trish Stratus our Christian could sleep with Lita first and they bet a Canadian dollar. Isn't it called a loony? Um, <laughs> and it, this, this carries on from the Royal Rumble all the way to WrestleMania and Christian picks up a surprise victory because Trish Stratus turned on Jericho and it came out that her and Christian were a couple. Hmm. And, and that was, it was a shocking WrestleMania moment. But Jer- Jericho's up to seven intercontinental title reigns. He c- competes with the uh, in the heavyweight title picture the the next year. Goes into the first Money in the Bank match at WrestleMania 21. There's Those some tri- there's some trivia for you though about that about Jericho and the Money in the Bank. He created it. Yeah, he created it, and has never won it. But yeah, the money in the bank is actually his idea. He, you know, he took a page out of the Pat Patterson book of match ideas. What you were saying? He also, he wrestles Lance Storm, who was his first match at what was supposed to be Lance Storm's retirement match at ECW One Night Stand. If I could be serious for a moment. He, uh... (coughs) Signs a couple... couple (coughs) contract extensions. (coughs) Wrestles John Cena. Can't beat him for the world title. And... End of 2005, he pretty much leaves WWF, WWE, and then you see all his other activities. Well, one of the first things I remember seeing Jericho on that was not wrestling was it was in 2006 and it was when I was going to a school down in Pensacola and in the hotel room or hotel suite actually they fortunately they pay for a suite because my wife and my daughter were down there with me 
we would watch VH1, and they had a VH1 that I love the 80s, and then they had I love the 70s, and Jericho was one of the commentators on there. And that was the first time I ever remember seeing him doing anything besides wrestling. And I was thinking even then, oh, this dude's branching out. He's not just a wrestler. And then I already knew about the thing with Fozzie. That at first was a joke because it was Fozzie Osborne, and he had called himself Mongoose McQueen. And Mongoose McQueen's favorite wrestler was Chris Jericho, and Chris Jericho's favorite singer was Mongoose McQueen. And that lasted, um, for I think, two albums because I believe the backing band is is it Stuck Mojo out of Atlanta. You know what I'm talking about, Kyle? No. Yeah, they're uh, they're a, a, a rock metal band, and yeah, I believe that's who his backing band is. I mean, they were already an established band, and you know that was just I, I, I didn't even take that seriously until after they started actually selling albums and people started saying, you know, maybe you ought to do this as you know a side hustle, and that's when he dropped the whole Mongoose McQueen thing, and they dropped the Osborne name, and they just became. Uh, Fozzie, and, and and it's kind of ironic. I mean, I don't know if it, this is on purpose, but Jericho, when his, his singing, he actually sounds like he um, he he actually sounds very similar to Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, but that was what it wasn't the Fozzie thing, but it was when he was one of the one of the commentators on the I Love the '80s and I Love the '70s little shows they were doing. That's when I first noticed him outside of wrestling. How about yourself? So, I didn't know. I knew Fozzie existed, but not my type of music at the time. Uh, I listened to his radio show on Sirius XM, The Rock of Jericho. And then he was on back when VH1 actually did uh, highlight clips and stuff like that. And he was on a show called Best Week Ever. Heard of it? Heard of it? Can't say I've ever watched it, but I have heard of it. So he he starts appearing in non wrestling things, and he's obviously intelligent, well spoken hip to current culture and after after what 15 years in the business he kind of needs to break and you know what they say absence does make the heart grow fonder yeah You don't see Jericho in a wrestling ring or even hear about him on wrestling shows until 2007, two years later. And this is probably my favorite comeback video. The cryptic save us videos. So hidden biblical messages, second coming, things of that nature, and they play for months. 
And it turns out to be Chris Jericho. And he comes back no longer having the the long rock and roll hair. He's got a short dad cut. (laughs) That's one way to put it. Reinvents himself, and he has a new move called the code breaker, the, the double knees to the gut. I like that move, personally. And this must be his luck. He competes in the Elimination Chamber match. And doesn't win. He gets eliminated by Shawn Michaels. Goes into his eighth reign as Intercontinental Champion. And this is where his legendary Shawn Michaels feud happens. In 2008, he gets his own talk show called The Highlight Reel. So, loses the Intercontinental title, is hosting the Highlight Reel, loses um, loses a match to Shawn Michaels, wins the heavyweight championship, uh, the world heavyweight championship, defends against CM Punk, and then is going to wrestle... Shawn Michaels in a ladder match. Defeat Shawn Michaels in a ladder match. Loses the title to Batista, the title back from Batista, and then loses the title to John Cena. But gets named a Slammy Award winner, Superstar of the Year. He had a heck of a year in 2008. Oh, uh, you think? You'd think this would get him pushed to irrelevancy because he's no longer heavyweight champion. But starts a feud with Mickey Rourke when Mickey Rourke had just done The Wrestler. Which, I'm pretty sure you've seen it, right? Uh, Yeah, I own it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, And I actually recommend that movie to anybody. And even if people say, oh, I'm not a wrestling fan, I said, no, you need to watch. It's a good movie, period. It's not just a wrestling movie. It's you know, just a movie about somebody who's kind of past their prime or, you know, what they're, um, what the only thing they know how to do. You know, that could be anything. But if you think about it, there was also kind of a a side storyline with Marissa Tomei as well. She was kind of in the same situation where she's past her prime. She's considered too old to be doing the job she's doing. So... But and it, and it goes for anybody, really. Yeah, I mean, it really does. You know, 
But having the having a feud though with Mickey Rourke, uh, 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 yeah. Anyway, well, he he isn't going to wrestle Mickey Rourke, who is up for an Oscar. So he starts wrestling old timers, Hall of Fame wrestlers, and he wrestles Ric Flair, Rowdy Piper. Jimmy Snuka, and Ricky Steamboat. And goes to WrestleMania in one night. Well, actually, one match. It was an elimination match. Defeats Snuka, Steamboat, and Piper. Fights Ric Flair after the match. And then gets knocked out by Mickey Rourke in a moment that made all the television shows, all the news reels. And granted, he gets knocked out, but he won the match, and he's the star that's in all the news the following morning. wrestles uh, Ricky Steamboat, who was amazing in his mid-50s at the time. And probably still had like 4% body fat. Wins another Intercontinental Championship. Then forms a tag team with the big show, Jarrah Show. <laughs> and r- really for for two years our tag team champions for long reigns which Big, big, they they were really entertaining as a pair. 2010 wins the heavyweight championship again. Feuds with Edge. He go, and this is how old we are. <laughs> uh, gets assaulted by Nexus, who's actually ten years. That no. was 10 years. No. Oh, yes. My. Oh, wow. Yeah, that does make me kind of feel old. Thanks, Kyle. Hey. Um, has the anonymous GM uh, torment him and basically finishes his second run towards the fall of 2010 after the big Nexus Survivor Series match and gets punted out by Randy Orton. (laughs) Sounds so nice. It takes another two-year break to, to recover. Then they have, uh, Jericho return 
we're we're all the all the way to 2012. The desirable main event between Jericho and CM Punk, where he basically torments Punk for being straight edge and pours alcohol on him, just a bunch of less than desirable things. We, we don't have a lot of nice things to say about that angle. Uh, no. And, you know, actually, I'll say that I'm not even a CM Punk fan, which I know is probably an unpopular opinion with most people. But, you know, you don't – That's I mean, that's, that's basically like borderline harassment, which can be, you know – yeah, it may be for a, a wrestling angle, but it's still kind of a bad taste, you know. Uh, just like the whole thing with Scott Hall, you know, going back to WrestleMania 18, when they had him uh, tied up in a, a beer cooler, not knowing that. By the way, Scott Hall is an alcoholic, and he's also on an abuse, which means the smell of alcohol makes him puke. And they didn't know that, but at the same time, it's like, well, you know the man's an alcoholic. Why are you having him an angle where you're pouring beer on him anyway? You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, yeah, that's one of the cases where they just – they go too far at times. Um, well, he goes from that feud to a bunch of uh, insequential matches and – at WrestleMania 29, who does he feud with but the great Fandango? Fandango. <laughs> uh, actually, I don't, I don't hate Fandango. I actually thought Brizongo was kind of entertaining. My ringtone was actually the Fandango's music for a while. Uh, don't feel bad. My, mine was... Um, Bobby Roode's theme song. Glorious. <laughs> I can... Uh, hold on. So, made sure for my name that when you said my name, you have to use two A's. Two A's. Yeah, for my last name. Okay. And you you have to let the A's breathe. <laughs> Puts over Fondango. Ha- has another match with CM Punk. No alcohol involved in this one. Feuds with Alberto Del Rio, uh, Dolph Ziggler, Ryback, Cody Rhodes, Rob Van Dam, Curtis Axel, and then The Miz. And this, gosh, we are so old. (laughs) The Wyatt family in 2014, he puts over Bray Wyatt. This is when he, uh, he was the, 
the mystery partner for yeah. uh, Dean Ambrose. It, was it Dean and and Seth Rollins? Or was it Dean and Roman? Oh no, you're you're in a different time period. No, this is in 2014. I remember um, I remember watching that one because that was one no. they. That's not the same one. In 2015, he wrestled at Night of Champions with Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose against the Wyatt family. That's when they had the mystery partner. And in 2014, he wrestled Brock Lesnar, got an F5, and then he went to host Tough Enough. Well, the one... Go ahead. The one you're thinking of is at Night of Champions. That's the one where they're waiting to announce the mystery partner, and all of a sudden some idiot runs in the ring, and he's and he's got, like, the flak jacket on that Roman Reigns usually wears, and he gets up in Dean Ambrose's face, you know, before security uh, tackles him. And Bray Wyatt looks at him and says, that's your partner? He said, that's your partner. It's going to be easy. And Dean Ambrose kind of looks at him and is like, it's not him. You know, so they handled it pretty well. All right. From there, he has some matches with the New Day, forms a tag team with AJ Styles, goes on to challenge the New Day for the tag team championship with AJ Styles, and then Jericho beats. AJ Styles in a match at WrestleMania, which turned out to be Roman uh, AJ Styles' first WrestleMania match. Feuds with Dean Ambrose uh, to include the asylum matches at Extreme Rules. And then something you're familiar with, he forms a partnership with Kevin Owens. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I actually, I liked them as a team. But I also liked them when they were not a team. You know, but what did he create during this time, Kyle? The list of Jericho. Did you see the text that I sent to you? I did. The picture. That was four years ago in Columbus. Because my wife, like I've said, who claims, oh, no, she doesn't keep watch wrestling. Yeah, she bought that. I didn't ask her to buy it. And, and okay, okay, now she's over here flipping me the bird. But <laughs> I asked her to buy it. My son did not ask her to buy it. She was at the souvenir stand getting, I think, actually the other, uh, the hammer that he's holding, and I cannot tell what that is now. Oh, um, he's holding a um, a Bailey buddy, if that says how long ago this was. But she bought herself a list of Jericho. Yeah, tell me she's not a fan. 
Oh no, we're we're gonna have an episode on how your wife is a closet. <laughs> Mine hates it. Can't bring her out, huh? I won't. Why would I do that to my wife? <laughs> and I don't know but, if your wife can hear you or hear me, but why would I punish my wife with what they put on television every Monday night? I don't even watch it in the bedroom anymore. Yeah, fair enough. The Jericho was probably my favorite thing that he has done. Because uh, with everything, you can just tell someone, you just made the list. She still says that to me. But you know what the, you know what they do? You know what I do with people when they do this? You just made the list. Yeah, she still does it. So the uh, the the list and, and uh, with the list came the festival of friendship. And that was another uh, enjoyable moment um, back when television was better. (laughs) But basically, this sets up a match between Kevin Owens and Jericho at WrestleMania that was supposed to be for the World Championship, but ended up being a what was he, second or third match? Um, yeah, I know it wasn't the opening match. Yeah, you're right. I think it was a second or third. And Goldberg went on it defeated Kevin Owens for the heavyweight championship and went on to wrestle um, America's greatest sports entertainer, Brock Lesnar. And... This really upset Jericho. A little bit, yeah. He he was promised a championship match at WrestleMania, which got him to come back. And you know, after you, you got to think in, in 2017-ish. He has been in the WWE system for almost 18 years with two breaks. But that's a long time to be putting up with that system as a performer. Yeah. And there's got to be Vince McMahonisms that frustrate you. Yeah. So disappears again and has his third career rejuvenation by challenging Kenny Omega in New Japan for the IWGP United States Championship and really this is where he debuts the painmaker Jericho and starts coming out to the Fozzie Judas song. 
You think you're cool? Why do you have your own entrance music that you wrote, that you sing on, that plays, and then the crowd sings along with it? Even when you're a heel, the crowd still is singing your song. I mean, literally, your song. That's cool. Not that I'll ever sing anything, but that's got to be cool. So with that, loses to Kenny Omega, goes on to challenge Naito for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, wins that, uh, first person to be an Intercontinental Champion in WWE and New Japan. Then he, he makes surprise appearances in WWE. First with Elias, uh, where he calls him a stupid idiot and puts him on the list. Just the night we bought that list, Elias still didn't have a name. He was just the guy walking around backstage with the guitar. And... Jericho put his name on the list. He's, he called him like like Mister Mystery Guitar Playing Man or something like that. But yeah, so that so when he put him on the list again, that was actually not the first time. So R- Russell's in the fifty man battle royal, the greatest Royal Rumble. Was it fifty or sixty? I think it was fifty. Either way, it was a lot, and we got to watch Titus just absolutely. So then he decides to join AEW. And first event, double or nothing, defeats Kenny Omega. So now they're 1-1. Then he goes on to become the first AEW world champion and honestly the the best choice probably uh, to be their first champion. Then forms the, the inner circle uh, attacking Cody Rhodes and then Dustin Rhodes Brother, brother. You know that those first three weeks of AEW Dynamite really, really solidified their competitiveness with WWE because Jericho, Jericho was the the main name star. Not the best wrestler at this point, um, but he was the main star on the show. And wasn't Jericho once again a surprise? No. Um, it, it was pretty much announced that from the beginning that Jericho was going to be AEW. Oh, that's right. There were a couple other ones who were surprised. 
Uh, Bret Hart showed up. That was a big surprise because just, what, two weeks prior, or not even two weeks prior, he went to the uh, WWE Hall of Fame again, this time as part of the Hart Foundation. Yep. Where some guy decided to come up there and tackle him on, on this. Yeah, that was just dumb. But so, I was going to, Go ahead. The inner circle has been around for almost two and a half years at this point. He's managed to keep himself relevant and this whole time by changing little things, just like The Undertaker uh, has done or did Fozzie has had multiple top 20, for sure, hits. His podcast is ranked in the top. And you said you, you've listened to every, or you, you try to listen to every single one of his podcasts, don't you? I list, There's a few that are just too far out there to to follow. I listened to his one with the Bigfoot Hunter. Oh, that dude. Um, <laughs> I think that guy, he's actually been on there a couple times, hasn't he? I mean, I know he's had some <laughs> other one, like some conspiracy theorists on there that I just sit there and just kind of cringe. And I'm like, why am I listening to this? You know, anyway. Um, He had one. On the Canadian serial killer that he actually went to school with. Did listen to that one. Yes. Uh, because the guy barely barely um, qualified to be a serial killer, if that makes any sense. Um, yes, I do remember listening to that when I was like, oh, that's kind of creepy. Well, no, it makes me wonder about my classmates. So I, I never followed any of my classmates long enough to know what they did after we graduated or after I left the school. I know about, you know, a fair bit of them. Um, unfortunately, I will say this. So I just had uh, one of my classmates pass away in the past week. Um, he and I weren't really close, you know, but he was always, um, you know, the few times I talked with him, you know, he was always, you know, cool. Um, but I mean, I know people who were, you know, pretty good friends with them and, and, um, you know, it's kind of taking them down a little bit because I mean, he, uh, he was a pretty good guy, you know, but, um, you know, so there's that. I mean, I've had other classmates obviously, you know, pass away as well. Uh, I've had some, you know, have ended up in prison and, you know, things like that. But then again, I've also had some who, who actually done really well for themselves. So, that's just so, life. I went to four different high schools, and the one I graduated from, uh, I went my sophomore year and my senior year. So um, technically, I went to five high schools, but I went to the same one twice. You got me beat. I only went to two. So... Um, I have a classmate that uh, I am friends with on Facebook 
that had three kids by the time we graduated. Wow. So, and then I had multiple classmates that had two kids by the time we graduated. Uh, I don't think, I don't think I had any classmates that had two kids. I know I had um, some who had one, but not two, not that I could think of. I mean, I'd have to ask around, but that's not, (laughs) that's kind of an odd question to ask somebody say, hey, do we have any classmates that had more than one kid when we graduated? And then I knew of three girls that were pregnant on the night of graduation and one that found out 20 minutes before our history final to graduate. Oh. So that, that, uh, is way off the subject, but, but, we don't do podcasts on people we used to go to school with. But he he brings in a mix for his podcast. He does. He's had classmates. He's had people he's wrestled with and against. And uh, a lot of a lot of music, a lot of pulp. Co- pop culture stuff. I was actually about to mention his album reviews or um, what's another way to put it, the album, like this album versus this other album type deal. But uh, it kind of surprises some people because one of his favorite bands is uh, Striper. Yeah. Well, he, he, he was into that. 80s metal. Yeah. Well, Striper, because um, a lot of people, they liked metal, but they didn't like Striper because they well, they didn't like the fact that Striper were a Christian band. Some people didn't like him, but Chris Jericho, he likes whatever he likes. But anyway, he, um the thing to for him he's always managed to stay relevant and he he stuck out in the late 90s uh with his long blonde hair and he called nitro monday night jericho <laughs> Um, he he had the Y two J stuff, the Ayatollah rock and roller. He uh, he did the best in the world, the Paragon of Virtue, the most charismatic showman to ever enter your living room via a television screen. And most recently, he was the Painmaker, which is a great nickname. Le Champion. You got to say it with gusto there, Kyle. 
Les Champions and the Demo God. So he he's had a number one shirt sold at Hot Topic. And this is when the malls are dying, and he's selling out shirts in a Hot Topics store. He sold out of his uh, his champagne, his bubbly, excuse me, the bubbly, <laughs> the bubbly, and and he sells that. It's like everything he touches is goes to gold. So we've talked about his career. Who do you think his most memorable opponent was? Overall, uh, Shawn Michaels would definitely have to be in the conversation just because of their um, their WrestleMania uh, match. Uh, but The Rock, I mean, he himself says The Rock's been his, his favorite opponent. But you know, because when he first went into the WWF, it was his first angle, his first storyline was with The Rock. You know, and I was even thinking his stuff in WCW. But even though he stood out. Uh, Maybe I want to say Goldberg, but I don't because Goldberg apparently gets kind of sensitive and gets his underwear in a twist. And so they actually had that the feud in the ring could have actually been something had they let it happen, but they had the heat outside the ring. And speaking of outside the ring, him going up and getting Brock Lesnar's face because of what he did to Randy Orton, not realizing that Randy Orton was okay with it. I mean, it was actually part of the match. It was supposed to happen. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that's my, you know, if you had to name them right off the top of your head, I mean, that's the first ones I'd be saying. Shawn Michaels is definitely at the top. Shawn Michaels, because he he punched his wife. Well, and, I was, <laughs> and and that was a a realism to an angle that had not been seen in a very long time, and they developed that whole angle on their own. Well, you're talking two of the greatest wrestlers in the world. Um. I know you said The Rock. I I have honestly his biggest opponent in in and out of the ring was Triple H. Yeah, it uh, it, it occurred to Triple, me, but Triple H tried to bury him. True, and he beat him in and out of the ring. And his matches with Omega uh, have been some some of the best wrestling we've seen 
in the last couple years. So true story, storytelling in the ring, everything being believable. Um, Five-star matches with Omega every time they get in the ring together. Um, something that you would change about Jericho's career? Something I would change about it. He might not. He you know he might agree with this because like I said, Jericho does business. I would I would not have him going against China because it it really did not do anything for Jericho, and to me. It always felt like it was a way of just testing him, just to see if he would do business. And like you said, there may have been some legit animosity with um, Triple H, and it ended up causing some legit animosity with Triple H. Um, I wish that Ralphus came with him to WWE. And give up his truck driving career? Um, he he could have been a truck driver for WWE. True. But having that security that he didn't have anyone to play off of when he first got to WWE, it was like he started over. That would have been something to add to him, at least in the beginning, while he figured that out. Um, how about someone he should have wrestled, but never did? Should have been. And you're talking someone who was in the organizations at the same time. Yep. Okay, so we're not going back classic ones. Someone Jericho should have wrestled but didn't. Well, there's the question. Did he ever wrestle Goldberg, even in the WWF? Once. Once. Okay, I guess that doesn't count then. Uh No, I actually looked that up. Oh, he did. He did go against Hogan. He did go against Hogan in WWE. Okay. Um. um, 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 um. God. Okay. How many? How many people did? Okay, the list of people he did not wrestle apparently is pretty small. And I'm just trying to think of somebody who would be worthy. Well, well and there's all, some of them. I mean, well, he's still wrestling because I mean, there's always a chance. The one wrestler that may surprise you that never wrestled Chris Jericho is Sting. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I am surprised because they were both in WCW together for a few years. Well. Sting actually didn't wrestle for um, 
Well, it was about a year, wasn't it? And and Jericho was a heel. Sting was a fa- uh, wow. Now, whose fault is that, though? That ain't Jericho's and ain't Sting's. That that is one match that has never happened. I blame Bischoff. Booking committee. Them too. And another match, and granted he passed away, another match that could have been great was Jericho and Brian Pillman. Yeah, that would have been a good one. But the uh, I, I'd say he's had quite a career. I'd say so. And the fact that he can constantly reinvent himself and not just as a wrestler, which he's done that already several times, he's constantly bringing on new business ventures and different different things where he's – look at this. He's always in the spotlight because he's good at it, and he has credibility because every time he gets – Involves, well, okay, he didn't do that good on Dance with the Stars. He was never number five to get booted, but he still did it. Because, I mean, that shows that man, I don't think you can have anybody in any profession he's in that has the confidence level that Chris Jericho has. Because he just goes, that's why he does well, because he he goes out there to do well. He doesn't go out there to not fail. And he's also fearless because he'll get in Brock Lesnar's face. He'll get in Goldberg's face because and he would say, you may beat me down, but I'm not going to go down with that fight. And I think that's why it's – it'd be hard pressed to ever turn him a really a true heel again because even when he has been a heel, the people still want to cheer him. But do you think – Right now, I would say I would put him in the Hall of Fame, but do you think the WWE, the powers that be right now, basically Vince, do you think he would put Jericho in the WWE Hall of Fame right now? Oh, yeah. You think so? Yeah, because he's a Hall of Famer, and he drew money. That's true. He did draw some money. Do you see Jericho getting involved with anything else outside of wrestling besides the podcast, besides the rock band? Because I mean, he, he is a bona fide rock star. Besides being a, a radio show host, besides being a TV show host, besides being a commentator or something, besides going on something like another Dancing with the Stars, is there anything left for the man to do? Has he done any movies? Um. I really don't know. That's one thing. Never, I, don't, I don't think he's done any movies yet. He He's done television. Mostly the Dancing with the Stars. Well, he, he did a few movies, but Jay and Silent Bob, the, the reboot, he did Sharknado. Uh, 
he's done uh he he's done a a, a lot of little stuff thing he he's not the rock well only the rock is the rock so jericho was in McGruber. Jay and Silent Bob, he did uh, Southpaw Regional Wrestling, Ride Along, Sharknado, thing where he is, he's the feature. What do you see in his future wrestling career? Because the man's still going. He's 50 years old, and he doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. Well, so, something doesn't look right with his his stomach. Um, it's a little more than age. So he he is starting to age. I see him eventually losing the inner circle, probably putting over Sammy Guevara as the the next star and stepping back in, in his role. Because he, he's done quite well with his money and his kids are still sort of young. But I think he's at the point where he can do whatever he wants. That must be nice. I think that's all uh, we should all kind of have that goal. Maybe one day, Kyle, maybe one day I'll hit that goal. Maybe you'll hit that goal. Which one? The goal where you have enough money to where you can just do whatever you want and you have no worries. Hakuna Matata. Yeah, I'm not there, but yeah, yeah, me neither. Outside of that, like, I I don't think Jericho would want anything else on his career. I think he wrestles his last match against Lance Storm. Really, I, I think they'll book in their careers and finish together. Okay. So, uh, other than that, you, uh, you made the list. I made the list. The list of Jericho. You, you made the list. Well, I did, tag him earlier when I posted the uh, or I tweeted rather the picture of my wife holding the list of Jericho now since the list of Jericho is a WWE thing he might not respond but we'll see but even though it is we still have a little bit of time Kyle but I know you're tired and you're pretty sore. 
and I'm tired and not really sore. And would you have any reservations about cutting it a little short tonight? Nope. <laughs> I didn't think you would. Um, I, w- I do want to tell you congratulations on your performance with your football team this past weekend. Uh, I sold you hold that trophy, and I, I have to say, man, I'm pretty proud of you. I know, you gave uh, it, I know you gave it your all. I know that's for sure. I, I tore my calf, so I I didn't get to play as much this weekend as I wanted to or would have wanted to. Um, but in the game, like I told my son, because uh, we play together on Sundays, the best nine guys go into play. And if if you're tired and someone else is better than you, that guy is going to be one of the nine. So the best nine have to play. And there are certain times where I'm one of the nine, and then there are others where I'm still learning, which is a shock to say at my advanced age. Well, football um, evolves. Think about it. I mean, the game being played now is not the same game played, you know, um, and I just put the, it, it's the, it, just the game's always evolving. The, the days of, like, the T formation, and I know that makes me sound really old because I've never actually seen it in person, but I read about it. T formation are gone, but now you have a lot of the other formations and but coaches have to do that and whatever they do at the pro level or even the college level will trickle down or even trickle up. So yeah, it's not the same game as what it was when we were in high school. No. Well, nine man flag is a lot different than eleven man with pads. Mm. And that, and that's the hardest thing. I did not play a whole lot of offensive line growing up. Maybe I should have. I don't know. I played um, offensive line in seventh grade. And uh, I played other positions after that, and that's where I was asked to play in nine-man flag. And here I am at 280 pounds. I'm the runt on my line. My center... And decent, decent guy. He was 419. The two guys that started were both 320. Mm. And here I am at 280. And size matters. Um, in nine, man, you don't line up over. So it's a center and two guards. And the guards are essentially tackles. And your rushers are speed rushers, not strength rushers. So even being 280, when you're going up against a guy that's 220, um, you have to beat them to a spot. 
and figuring that part out, I was being told multiple, multiple things. Um, you have to beat a guy to a spot and to protect your quarterback. And it, it took me a while to get that. I was better on the defensive side where I'm more familiar playing, but I'm still carrying some bad weight. So I, I had one rough scrimmage where they basically threw me out there and said, uh, you'll learn as you're, you'll go. So that first one was rough. Um, after that, uh, it got better. And then to nine man football was actually invented where I lived. Really? Uh, the guy that created the rule book, it runs the league I play in on Sundays So to not play in 20 years, so I last played on Fort Meade in a league, and we were padded. Um, to, To have not played in 20 years, to have torn both MCLs, herniated four vertebrae messed up both arms both shoulders um yeah i i I did all right and it it was fun um i think a football team gets um certain things more than some of the churches i've attended and that there's a, a a lot of discussions there, but a, as I have talked, well, during the interview, we talked to Selena Dean. You, regardless of your age, you you have to pursue your passions. Um, that's something we think Jericho does. Um, over these last two weeks of talking about him. Oh, without question. It, it's something um, y- your your name is Steve. You are not just a retired airman. Exactly. Sure. But at times, your military service is what this defines you. And Yes, there are times um, you spend 20 years doing anything, but especially something like that, because that that is the. I mean, you know yourself. I mean, you spent four years in, and even those four years, it can really define you know who you are, and you will, you will be a veteran the rest of your life. That's something that nobody can take away from you. You know, you earned that. But I know it's not the only thing you've ever done i know you've written several chapters of your life i've written chapters of my life and that's like what you're saying i always tell people don't let you know one title define who you are for the rest of your days you know because i can throw a a lot of labels on me i can throw a lot of labels on you and not 
and not, I don't mean labels like it's a bad thing, you know. But I when I think Kyle, yeah, I think my coworker, my fellow airman, you know. But I also think Kyle, the powerlifter, now Kyle, the uh, the football player, Kyle, your job, you know. That's what I think of, you know. But obviously, you know, the first thing we all say is, "Hey, that's Kyle, my friend," you know. But he does a, he's a lot of things. And I think, you know, just this, just talk about Jericho, I think it's kind of inspired both of us is what it sounds like. No, it, it's um, uh, a few years ago, um, a very close friend of mine named Russell, at, who I was in the Air Force with, who I met in dorms, he passed away of a heart attack at 42 mm. and ma- massive heart attack. And, you know, I'm near there and I, I did a lot in the Air Force. I can't say I enjoyed every minute of my service. I mean, I tried until it was no longer a fit for me. And then I, I moved on and did did other things. And at some point when you you have a a, a child with autism, uh, where I ended up getting diagnosed myself as part of his process, it came my life became what I could do for him. And the the fact that we did big little activities, um, soccer, basketball, volleyball, uh, combat tennis. Then we went into t-ball where they, they didn't want him to play. And he wasn't going to be allowed to play t-ball unless I coached. So I had to learn how to coach baseball. And then from baseball, we went to, um, we, we did tennis, did uh, karate. Then we did, um, he did one year of school soccer. We did football after that, flag football, where he played six-man flag. Then he did basketball. And he graduated at 16. Well, just before he turned 16. So he graduated 15 in 10, 10 months. Then my friend dies, and what have I done? So I, I was lifting, but I had not done anything. I was coaching, and coaching is a great thing, but I had not done anything. Um, And as I've shared on other episodes, um, it is weird for me to only hear from my friends when they need something. Um. it's weird to only hear from church members when they need something. 
And I didn't have my environments where I fit in somewhere and I mattered. And now I do. And I need that. You need that in a, in a different way. But um, I, I could say if, if I went out at my 42nd year, like my friend did, that I, I've lived a pretty full life. I would say so, because I've never known you to sit idle. And some of the things you may not think um, were a lot, but they were. Like you said, coaching, I only helped coach my son one year of baseball, and I enjoyed every single minute of it. You know, um, I would have loved to kept doing it, but I also wasn't going to coach unless he was playing. Uh, because the coach, the head coach that he had, his son didn't want to play again, and he even said that he said, I can't justify coaching if my son's not playing. And so I had to find a different coach. And then the next year my son didn't – he didn't enjoy it as much, and um, and I wasn't able to coach him anyway. And so maybe he would he would have enjoyed it more, but it still means something. You know, you still impacted people in a positive way. You impacted kids in a positive way, especially your son. And I think that means a lot. Did, I did 14 seasons of baseball, football, or basketball. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of kids. There's a lot of kids that still um, – still communicate now that they're grown adults. Um, some have gotten married. Some are serving in the military. It's a time that was wasted, but it's still, um, and, and I guess you, you understand it if I put it like this. There are many things you did in the military that you can't talk about. Right. Um, so you may have been great at something, uh, at a time where I knew you or worked with you and you can't tell anyone you did that. So not that you didn't do it. Um, but when you meet people in your small town, um there's a there's a large gap of your life that yeah, I did this, but well, here's my one of the ways I look at something, and I'll actually put this um on Facebook is I want to live my life without asterisks. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm not going to have somebody come in and say, okay, well, he accomplished this, but I'm going to say, no, uh, I didn't have 
you know, I did that on my own. Yes, I mean, I did have, obviously, a support, and I'm always grateful for that. But I always say, live, you know, live your life without an asterisk. Because we have, there's some issues with the school system here. You know, um, where things aren't judged correctly, if that's, you know, the best way to put it. And it's just like, you know, someone who makes the team, oh, they made the team, you know, oh, but in this case, yeah, their dad is the coach. And I know I know your son didn't make the team just because you were the coach. But I'm saying, but I'm pretty sure you've seen that in your life where somebody gets hired for something, oh, but because of nepotism or cronyism or something like that. And I've always tried to go with the mantra of, I'm going to make sure I earn it. That way there's no question. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, um, if I were to post, uh, let's say, the last four years, we've won, we won two softball titles. We, and this is just me, but two softball titles one power well powerlifting title four state records and now a nine man flag football championship and most people including my teammates from the weekend would say I was a decent human being so that's that's probably the the most important part um, heard from more people from the football team between Saturday and today, including right now as this podcast goes on, as I've heard from my church that I'm a member of in all year. Um, but I, I do call people. I do, I do try. But without in the dorms, you had wrestling, and everyone came. Sunday night there was a wrestling event. Everyone that was a fan or just wanted to hang out with people, we'd all conjure around one television and watch the pay per view. Um, there are not like events like that now. Um, not a lot of people watch wrestling together. Um, finding those different things and different ways to, to challenge yourself are important at any age. Like, I'm even going to start golfing. Now I'm going to suck. But <laughs> um, doing the mixed martial arts, too, because a yellow belt is not much of an accomplishment, but I did belt up last year as well. And you, have, you have more belts than what I have. 
and it's just doing something. And the the last thing I wanted to do um, when my friend died is just get up every day to go to work to pay bills. And if someone's made it this long, comment on our page. I think anyone should want to live to do that. And you go, I, I had to find different ways to challenge myself to do something, to meet different people. Um, to, and to matter somewhere um, as I age. So I just don't want to get up. Like you, you when you text, I, I'm still at work. I have to do this, this, and this when I get home just getting up to, to go to work and pay bills. And I don't know about you, that's not not the kind of life I think we were created to live. I wholeheartedly agree with you, my friend. And we just got our cue, our 90-second cue, even though we even said we were going to cut it short, but... We didn't, but we had a very good conversation. Um, I have an idea for next week, and I've actually kind of mentioned it before, but unpopular opinions. Just in general, unpopular opinions about wrestling. Okay. Yay, nay, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have to be yeah. a top ten or top five, just unpopular opinions because we can talk about the current – the current state of wrestling, we're talking about wrestling in the past, we can talk about different eras where one person may like it, the other person doesn't, or maybe we don't like it, maybe it was supposed to be really popular, but uh, or maybe a certain wrestler people think are the greatest or not so great, but just unpopular opinions about wrestling. So, But my friend, until next week, I will be, we will be reaching out and talking and Hopefully, you know, I, I can get some sleep uh, between now and then. Yep. <laughs> That'd be nice. So, oh. All right, my, all right, my friend. Well, God bless you, and I will talk at you. Talk to you. All right.